Chapter Twenty Two of the Millionaire Baby by Anna K. Green. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Millionaire Baby by Anna K. Green. Chapter Twenty Two on the Second Terrace. My first step on leaving Homewood was to seek a public telephone. Calling up Dr. Poole in Yonkers, I assured him that he might rest easy as to the young patient to whose doubtful condition he had called my attention. That she was in good hands and was doing well. That I had seen her and would give him all the necessary particulars when I came to interview him later in the day. To his uneasy questions I vouchsafed little reply. I was by no means sure of the advisability of taking him into my confidence. It was enough for him to know that his demands had been complied with without injury to the child. Before hanging up the receiver, I put him a question on my own behalf. How was the boy in his charge? The growl he returned me was very non committal and afforded me some food for thought as I turned back to Mrs. Carew's cottage, where I now proposed to make a final visit. I entered from the road. The heavily wooded grounds looked desolate. The copper beeches, which are the glory of the place, seemed to have lost color since I last saw them above the intervening hedges. Even the house, as it gradually emerged to view through the close shrubbery, wore a different aspect from usual. In another moment I saw why. Every shutter was closed, and not a vestige of life was visible above or below. Startled, for I had not expected quite so hasty a departure on her part, I ran about to the side door where I had previously entered and rang, fit to wake the dead. Only solitary echoes came from within, and I was about to curse the time I had lost in telephoning to Dr. Poole, when I heard a slight sound in the direction of the private path, and, leaping hastily to the opening, caught the glimpse of something, or somebody, disappearing down the first flight of steps. Did I run? You may believe I did, at least till I had descended the first terrace, then my steps grew gradually wary and finally ceased, for I could hear voices ahead of me, on the second terrace to which I had now come, and these voices came from persons standing still. If I rushed on, I should encounter these persons, and that was undesirable. I accordingly paused just short of the top, and so heard what raised the moment into one of tragic importance. One of the speakers was Mrs. Carew, there was no doubting this. The other was Mr. Rathbone. From no other lips than his could I hope to hear words uttered with such intensity, though he was guarded in his speech, or thought he was, which is not always the same thing. He was pleading with her, and my heart stood still with the sense of threatening catastrophe as I realized the attitude of the pair. He, as every word showed, was still ignorant of Gwendolen's fate, consequently of the identity of the child who I had every reason to believe was at that very moment fluttering a few steps below in the care of a colored maid, whose voice I could faintly hear. She, with his passion to meet and quell, had this secret to maintain, hearing his wild entreaties with one ear, and listening for the possible outbursts of the not-to-be-restrained child with the other, mad to go, to catch the train before discovery overwhelmed her, yet not daring to hasten him, for his mood was a man's mood, 
and not to be denied. I felt sorry for her, and cast about in my mind what aid to give the situation, when the passion of his words seized me, and I forgot her position in the interest I began to feel in his. "'Valerie, Valerie,' he was saying, "'this is cruelty. "'You go with no good cause that I can see, "'put the sea between us, "'and yet say no word to make the parting endurable. "'You understand what I suffer, "'my hateful thoughts, my dread, "'which is not so much dread as, "'Oh, that I should say it, "'oh, that I should feel it, "'hope, guilty, unpardonable hope.' Yet you refuse me the little word, the kindly look, which would alleviate the oppression of my feelings, and give me thought of you to counteract this eternal brooding upon Gwendolen and her possible fate. I want a promise, conditional, oh God, but yet a promise, and you simply bid me to have patience, to wait, as if a man could wait who sees his love, his life, his future trembling in the balance against the fate of a little child. If you loved me, hush. The feeling in that word was not for him. I felt it at once. It was for her secret, threatened every instant she lingered there by some move, by some word which might escape a thoughtless child. You do not understand me, Justin. You talk with no comprehension of myself or of the event. Six months from now, if all goes well, you will see that I have been kind, not cruel. I cannot say any more. I should not have said so much. Go back, dear friend, and let me take the train with Harry. The sea is not impassable. We shall meet again, and then... Did she pause to look behind her down those steps, to make some gesture of caution to the uneasy child? You will forgive me what seems cruelty to you now. I cannot do differently. With all the world weeping over the doubtful fate of this little child, you cannot expect me to, to make any promise conditional upon her death. The man's cry drove the irony of the situation out of my mind. Perilities, all perilities. I, a man, life, soul, are worth some sacrifices. If you loved me, a quick ingathering of his breath, then a low moan, then the irrepressible cry she vainly sought to hush. Oh, Valerie, you are silent. You do not love me. Two years of suffering, two years of repression, then this delirium of hope, of possibility, and you, silent. I will trouble you no more. Gwendolen alive or Gwendolen dead? What is it to me? I... Hush! There is no doubt on that topic. The child is dead. Let that be understood between us. This was whispered and whispered very low. But the air seemed breathless at that moment, and I heard her. This is my last word to you. You will have your fortune whether you have my love or not. Remember that, and... Auntie... Make Dinah move away. I want to see the man you are talking to. Gwendolen had spoken. End of chapter 22